0: it's 12.03 on April 18th, 2022. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us for the Monday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson filling in for Rob Hart. We'll talk about advice on how to get your kids started in investing. That's in our next segment. But right now we're going to touch on what Ann mentioned, and that's the Home Builder Confidence Report that's out. While well, the coming week also includes the latest looks at inflation, we're joined now by Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at AndrewBush.com. Andy, what does this report mean when we're looking at the future of the housing market?
3: Yeah, it's starting to peak. Uh, I think that's what you can take away from this. When you have interest rates go up and mortgage rates go up so fast, it it will hit demand. That's definitely what we're seeing. But we also don't have that much supply. There's still very, very low inventory. Uh, Eventually, the builders will catch up with that. Uh, There's a lot of building going on around the country, both in commercial real estate and individual homes. But I think overall, you can look at the craziness that's been going on since the restart of the the economy for the housing market to slow significantly.
0: Well, you also touched on this. the The average interest rate for a mortgage has jumped from March. It was what three point nine percent. Now we're over five percent. That's a big, drastic measure, and and that's only exacerbating high prices, not only for for new homes but existing homes as well.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the point. I mean, for first-time home buyers, it's been a nightmare. Uh, they have not been able to gain access to housing and affordable housing. Now, this is offset somewhat by their rise in incomes, which has been great. I mean, that really helps when you're trying to make payments. But inflation has outrun uh, those increases in pay, so they're still behind the eight ball. So we we need to see the prices of these houses start to come down to allow buyers to step in.
0: Well, I don't know, is that price going to come down when when inventory is still so limited? No, but I mean in a
3: In a short period of time, you're going to get a lot more inventory, I believe. I mean, having seen and traveled around the country recently and just seen how much building has been going on, uh, I think you'll start to see a lot more supply come on over the next 12 to 18 months, which will be great. But that's probably right about the time that housing prices are going to soften significantly. So you really have to keep an eye on this. I just want to remind everybody, this is not 2007, 2008. You're not going to have a financial crisis that was tied to housing and real estate like we had before. The banking system is so much safer. They have to hold a lot more capital. So that's off the table. But we will see an easing off of these really sky-high prices.
0: And I do just briefly want to sort of uh, widen our scope of discussion here because if we're talking about inflation being a big concern, there's other economic risks with with the global market. I'm specifically thinking about China, right? We're seeing a new wave of of COVID-19 cases and some lockdowns. And how is that intertwined business and government relation going to play into the global market?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's 373 million people. Locked down right now in Shanghai and a couple of the provinces that account for forty percent of their GDP. So their GDP is going to go south pretty quickly here for the next quarter. Uh, I know they just released a number that was decent, but it's going down because we all know it's going to be hurting them. What I would say is for, for the United States, the, the the danger is is not being able to get product from China. I mean, this is going right back to where we were in February of twenty twenty when China surprised the world and shut down their their markets and their economy. So um, this is really a different difficult time for a lot of manufacturers. Anybody who's getting supplies from or is part of the supply chain from China, it's going to be really tricky. So that will cascade over here in the United States and slow things down here as well.
0: Thanks so much, Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Coming up, we'll have a guide to some of the best investment accounts for kids.
2: Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
0: Well, hands-on experience can certainly be a key to helping kids learn about anything, and that's true for investing as well. Let's get some suggestions from Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of Wealth Management Group in Downers Grove. Craig, when we're talking to children, how detailed can we be when it comes to investing money?
4: Well, we can be as detailed as the conversation allows, and I think parents just need to recognize that when the time is right, we can move past a simple savings account and help those teenagers or younger start to invest, but we got to make sure that parents know what platforms they can use. That's the subject matter this lunch hour.
0: Well, and let's talk about what are some of those options if we're talking about introducing our kids to these concepts. I think the single
4: greatest account that anybody can set up for their kids is what I'm going to call a custodial Roth IRA. Most people have heard of the Roth IRA. We call this a custodial Roth IRA because you, mom or dad, are going to be in charge of this money. You're going to be the custodian until your child reaches the age of 18 or preferably 21, depending on the state. And that's what we call getting money into the tax-free safety zone. Just remember, your kid has to have earned income. That's not babysitting necessarily, but something that gave them a W-2, were a 1099 if we want to do a custodial Roth.
0: And with that, would there be any penalization for withdrawing funds from it?
4: You know, absolutely not. That's a misnomer. Roth IRAs need to stay open for the greater of five years or till 59 and a half. And I know 59 and a half is a long way out. But parents, remember, your child can access money that from that Roth at any time for any reason, at any age, as long as we're withdrawing an amount equal to the corpus or the amount we put in, any dividends, any appreciation, any interest, that has to stay in there until 59 and a half. But we can always get at the contributions for a car. We can get at money to help pay for college. So it's really a risk-free transaction from an access standpoint.
0: Now, that's the custodial Roth IRA, which, as you mentioned, the child has to have some sort of earned income. Are there other options where that's not needed?
4: I, I think, yeah, that brings us into if we're just talking about investing, getting started, owning some slices, owning some great companies of America, then we start looking Oh, we start looking to open a UGMA, Uniform Gift to Minors, or UTMA, Uniform Transfer to Minors account. And that's nothing more than an investment account that does not have any inherent tax advantages, but it's the type of account that we can use to educate our kids how to build the basics of that portfolio, that low-cost index fund, and then adding some individual stocks to create some interest, because that's what this is. It's all all about creating experiences so well, roth ira first ugma second rachel
0: and that's something that a child can maybe wrap their head around too if they're beyond just let me put my money in a savings account or have it sit in the piggy bank is wouldn't it be exciting to be able to see that money grow i feel like that would also just ga- gain interest in investing
4: well, and we're bridging that interest through technology. I mean, back when I grew up, if I had a custodial account, which I didn't, I only would have been able to interact with it on a monthly or a quarterly period when i got my statements but today kids have so much screen time that's a whole other conversation (laughs) your kids are really going to be able to get involved with their money and that is so mission critical when it's about putting them with a leg up financially
0: thanks so much for the advice craig bolanos founding partner and chief executive officer of wealth management group up next taco bell bringing back a customer favorite
2: you're listening to the wbbm noon business hour
0: well, Taco Bell is bringing back an item that's been off the menu for two years. Let's discuss the return of the Mexican pizza with Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach here in Chicago. Uh, Izzy, I don't know about you. Are you a Taco Bell fan? Is this Are you shouting from the rooftop at the return of a Mexican pizza?
5: Well, I have to tell you, this is very exciting. And uh, I know a lot of people have been waiting for it, and I think Taco Bell could not have picked a better time uh, to bring it back than right now.
0: So it's uh, a Mexican pizza. It's a tortilla shell, either beans or ground beef. We got the pizza sauce, and then maybe another tortilla shell smothered in even more sauce, topped, of course, with cheese and chopped <laughs> tomatoes. Is anyone else hungry right now? <laughs> but but I think yeah, this you're is making interesting.
5: It sounds very healthy, Rachel. Yes,
0: I know. I'm, I'm clearly not a registered dietitian here promoting a Mexican pizza. But here's the thing: this is a trend that we've seen with fast food restaurants in particular, where they'll they'll take something off the menu, just like Taco Bell did in 2020, and now they're Building up hype to bring it back, maybe for just a limited time. Is it a successful marketing technique? Uh,
5: Well, again, this is the right time for them to do it. I mean, you know, McDonald's had the McRib, and we used to expect it every year. It was kind of an annual thing during whatever those months were. Uh, But this has been off the menu for two years. And the reason I say this is the right time for them to kind of bring this back is because now that it's after the pandemic, people are going out in droves they're looking for something exciting and you know people who love Taco Bell this is exciting so it it's definitely the right time to uh to bring this particular item out i think they're going to get uh hit with it pretty hard and i don't think it's going to be a temporary uh item, I think it's going to stick for quite
6: a while.
0: Well, and again, the excitement for its return, I think, is also uh, it was preceded by outrage when it was taken off the menu. There was even petitions trying to get this item back on the menu.
5: Right. Uh, They had a petition with 200,000 signatures and mostly uh, Indian Americans who, who looked at this as, you know, one of the few vegetarian options that they could go out for to a restaurant and know it's truly vegetarian. So I think you know, certainly that group is going to take a lot of credit uh, with their petition for bringing this item back.
0: And again, it shows that this is a, a fast food chain that's listening to its customers and trying to, to make it work.
5: Absolutely. And that, I think that probably is the most important piece of this story, which is, you know, there's a lot of customers out there. And if they have, uh, you know, they want something and they want you to bring it back, it's probably a good idea. Listen to the customer.
0: Thanks so much, Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach here in Chicago. Uh, If you're not hungry, you probably are now. Still ahead, we'll look at the price of oil, which is on the rise once again following a brief
1: respite. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend today.
2: This is Chicago's all news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
0: Good afternoon, I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The key Ukrainian port city of Mariupol is in danger of falling into the hands of Russian invaders. A special report from CBS News is next. More international factors put pressure on the price of oil. We'll check with a veteran energy market analyst. And it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a pair of picks from an investing pro. WBBM business, the Dow down 22 points. The Nasdaq down just 60. Five in the S&P 500 down six points. AccuWeather says cloudy skies with some scattered rain and snow showers, high 42 degrees, will head to 34 tonight. Then tomorrow, mix of sun and clouds with a high near 50 degrees. Right now, it's 37 degrees at O'Hare at 1231.
7: CBS News special report. Russian President Vladimir Putin has bestowed an honorary title on a brigade accused by Ukraine of war crimes and mass killings in the town of Bucha. The announcement was made on the 54th day of Moscow's military campaign in Ukraine. Thousands have been killed, with 12 million people fleeing their homes or country. Hannah Hopko is a former member of parliament and is in Lviv, describing what she just heard just today.
0: I started this morning from very like, big noise from missile attacks, and I heard five of them.
7: Russia appears to have started its anticipated new offensive in the east of Ukraine. Retired Lieutenant General Ben Hodges is a former commander of the U.S. Army in Europe.
8: It's hard to know exactly what's going on inside the city. Clearly, the resistance there by the remaining civilians and soldiers is incredible. Mariupol should have been gone in the first week of the war.
7: Ukraine's leadership says they will not surrender. CBS News Special Report, Matt Piper
2: loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
0: Well, stocks are trading lower this afternoon. Let's discuss what's moving Wall Street with Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist at Ingalls & Snyder based in New York. Tim, we're starting to see this shift, at least, from from growth to value on the markets. Is that something you expect to continue?
6: Well, Rachel, I think I uh you know, we've seen that shift lately in the market as the broad market has sold off month to date. Uh, but you know, what we've really seen, you know, pretty much uh, from the start of this year, is just a lot of volatility. There are periods when uh, growth does better, and periods where uh, when value does better. Uh, year to date, uh, the bias is certainly towards value as interest rates rise. It makes growth stocks seem more expensive to buyers, uh, and they tend to shun growth a bit uh, and move towards value. And we have seen that so far year to date. Uh, You've got to wonder, you know, what happens here with interest rates. So as we get towards the reality of rate hikes uh, by the Fed, uh, that dynamic could change, and we could shift back towards growth. I think the way we're looking at it is, is that just there's going to be a lot of volatility probably for the rest of the year as we determine whether we actually go into a recession or
7: not.
0: Well, and this comes amid a, a big a week of earnings reports. I know uh, we're expecting one from Bank of America. We saw several from from recent banks, and I'm curious sort of what your takeaway from that is.
6: Yeah, it's, you know, we're heading into earnings season, and, uh, and that's a big thing. So Bank of America did report uh, earnings and revenue beat expectations uh, due to trading and loan growth. Uh, Those were among the bright spots for them. Uh, You've got to think loan growth over the next several quarters might soften a bit as we see the Fed hike rates. Uh, As rates go up, uh, borrowers are less likely to borrow, whether that's real estate uh, or corporate borrowers. Uh, You know, they will they will bet that we're going to see lower rates at some point in the future and not want to pay up at today's higher prices. Um, So, uh, you know, earnings overall, we think are going to be good. Uh, there's been a pattern of uh, companies beating expectations, not giving a lot of guidance, and that lets them beat expectations. We think that's probably going to continue here. Uh, you know, the the issues, of course, are inflation and how that has uh, impacted some companies. Certainly, uh, but overall, we think revenues are going to be good and. Uh, the companies that are strong are going to have dealt with the inflation uh, in costs. So uh, we think it's going to be a good earnings season. It's going to be fast and furious, of course.
0: Well, and you mentioned a lot of these companies are are still juggling those surging costs. Are, are investors going to be playing paying close attention to to the forward guidance that these companies are giving?
6: Yes, if companies will give guidance, and again, we've seen less of that. Uh, but if companies will give guidance, that's really what investors focus on. It's not what's already happened, and that's what the earnings reports reflect. It's what's going to happen going forward. That's always the key to investing. Uh, you've got to look out a period of you know, months, quarters, or even years to come up with the best long-term investments, unless you're a trader and skilled at jumping in and out of things. But that is a, that's a tough game. Well,
0: let's just take a broader look at Wall Street. What, what, in your opinion, is undervalued right now? Or is there anything, uh, anything you're staying away from?
6: Well, we think there are a number of things that are overvalued. Now, that overvaluation can continue for a while. You know, certainly energy uh, is um, at, a, at a high price in terms of the commodity. Uh, and, you know, that's going to, uh, we think, at some point, you know, moderate. Uh, When that happens, I don't know, uh, but we're at the point where there is some demand destruction. In other words, users of energy will uh, begin to cut back uh, because of the the high prices. We haven't seen that happen so far, but uh, as these high prices continue, that will occur. So we'd be careful about energy. We still think uh, in terms of the long term, I'm not saying the short term, But the tech plus, so it's the uh, producers of technology and the big users of technology, uh, will be the place to be uh, in this market longer term. Uh, We just have this amazing innovation that continues to occur in technology, really a revolution. um, And we think that's going to be uh, the sector to be in, again, longer term.
0: Thanks so much, Tim Grisky, Senior Portfolio Strategist at Ingalls & Snyder in New York. Up next, an update on the volatile energy markets, as was mentioned by Tim.
2: Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
0: Well, the price of oil is once again heading upward. Let's see what's behind the latest rise with Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at Price Group and Fox Business News contributor here in Chicago. Phil, what's behind this latest bump?
9: Rachel, I think you spilled some gas at the gasoline station. That's how tight supplies are, (laughs) you know, and all of a sudden prices are exploding. Uh, I'm kidding a little bit, but really what we heard overnight that Libya's biggest oil field was shut down because of a strike. And because the global supply situation is so tight... Any loss of supply anywhere in the world can't be made up. And when that happens, we see these prices really start to go up. I mean, going into the week, we were worried about, you know, China's economy, you know, the potential shutdown due to COVID, hurting demand. But that kind of went away because their uh, GDP came out stronger than expected. And now, even with the best efforts of the Biden administration in the world releasing oil from the reserves, we're starting to realize that that's only a short-term fix, and it's not going to solve the problem. Hence, we're seeing this explosive move in oil to start the week.
0: Well, unfortunately, those of us at the pump, I mean, it feels like we just can't catch a break when it comes to these prices. And what is the overall impact that this is going to have on consumers?
9: I think consumers are getting hurt. You know, we're hearing it already you know we're seeing it in the poll numbers and when you know people ask why they're dissatisfied with what's going on with you know the political environment a lot of it has to do with inflation a lot of this has been a self-inflicted wound you know the country in the United States you know has the ability to keep prices low uh, but you know we put on drilling moratoriums we killed pipelines we demonized investment in fossil fuels and then we wonder why prices go up and this is what happens you add to that some geopolitical risks some disruptions in the world, and you get this explosive situation. And, and, and people have to realize that energy is a substantial part of the economy. Uh, and we take it for granted when it's cheap. We sure don't take it for granted when prices go up like they have
0: been going up in the recent weeks. And we're noticing it beyond the gas pump, too. I mean, businesses, uh, there are surcharges with rideshare companies because of the increased cost of fuel, airline tickets, etc. As you mentioned, it sort of has this ripple effect on the entire economy. It
9: does. You know, we we, we, you know we focus on oil and gasoline, but diesel prices are near historic highs and natural gas believe it or not, hit the highest level since 2008. I mean, we're seeing those prices absolutely explode. And, you know, the United States is supposed to be helping out Europe with their natural gas crisis because they're dependent on Europe. Well, we better worry about what's happening here at home. You know, with the late winter snow on the ground, we, our heaters are, are going next week, our air conditioners are going to be going, and our supplies are the tightest they've been in three years when it comes to inventory. So we're going to have a, a, an expensive heating bill, air conditioning bill, gas gas bill. We just can't get a break when it comes to energy right
0: now. Well, and that's sort of my, my final question here is, is there any reprieve that we can look forward to? You know, I think right now we're going to have to grin and bear it here for a while. You know, I think the Biden
9: administration did take a step back. They started to, you know, allow some drilling on federal lands, but it's going to take a lot more than that. It's going to take like a Marshall Plan to reverse some of the anti-fossil fuel policies that we've had and send a message to the world that the United States is going to be back as a major producer. And I think only then will we start to see these prices start to, to give up.
0: And again, in a choppy trade this afternoon, the uh, Brent crude topping $113 a barrel. Thanks so much, Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at Price Group and Fox Business News contributor here in Chicago. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. Still to come, our Stock Picker Monday.
2: The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
0: It's Stock Picker Monday. Joining us with a pair of investment ideas is none other than our first ever stock picker to have on the show, Pat Morrow, president of Patrick Morrow Investment Advisors Incorporated in Oak, Oak Brook, Illinois. Pat, welcome back.
8: Thank you, Rachel. Good to be back.
0: Maybe we'll get you an honorary sash of some sort, but uh, let's let's skip the pleasantries. What's your first pick?
8: Uh, Verizon Communications, BZ on the New York. It's a uh, giant telecommunications company, uh, putting a lot of uh, capital into 5G broadband technology. Uh, Their plan to grow from here is to roll out uh, 5G fixed wireless access uh, versus uh, AT&T, their main competitor, uh, which uses uh, DSL tech mostly right now.
0: And I'm guessing that this would be really beneficial for people who don't want to go through all the hassle of fiber.
8: Right. It's exactly. Uh, it's not available in the Chicago area currently. Uh, Verizon has about one third of the U.S. Uh, covered right now as they've rolled it out. The main attraction here for the for for me as an investor is that it has a very secure dividend they've raised it every year for 15 years and the, they have low payout ratio so i think they'll keep raising it and the stock is very defensive has almost a 5% dividend uh for that quality that's high and we're looking for the market to be on the defensive for the next uh year or so as the fed continues to uh, tighten
0: all right and your second pick
8: Another uh, defensive stock, uh, Kimberly-Clark Corporation, famous for Huggies, Kleenex, Scots. Uh, it's a very basic industry. Uh, their dividend is $4.64, which is about 3.7%. Again, the dividends are going to mean a lot here going uh, forward, uh, so we're looking for to be on the defense. We have these stocks in our portfolios. We have, obviously, other uh, less aggressive, uh, defensive stocks. But right now, uh, if I were adding, I would be looking at stocks like Verizon and Kimberly-Clark. They will they have very low downside risk and continue to raise their dividend, and you'll probably outperform – the market over the next year or two with this kind of investment.
0: Well, and as you mentioned, these higher yields, they're particularly attractive in this moment of a defensive stock market. Right. Thanks so much, Pat Morrow, president of Patrick Morrow Investment Advisor, Incorporated, based in Oak Brook, Illinois. And of course, if you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at wbbmnewsradio.com and on the Odyssey app.